Welcome to the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Dame, holistic nutrition coach and speaker. Together, we'll be diving into much more than just another conversation around sugar addiction and nutrition. But more importantly, I'll be guiding you through the inner work and spiritual healing that lies at the root of your unhealthy habits with food. Let's dive in. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode on the Beyond Sugar Freedom Podcast. So excited to be tuning in again today. And as you all know, uh, we start off these episodes with a little weekly wisdom and weekly insight with things that are happening in my life or things that I've been reminded of or learned um, this week that I get to come here and share with each of you. So this week, one of the things that, that really jumped out at me was actually in a call with one of my private clients. And we were having this amazing, really deep, powerful conversation around her limiting belief pattern and thought patterns and a lot of these deeper pieces that are really at the core for her of, of you know, her, her patterns with sugar, right? And her, her um, areas around that. So one of the things that came up that really stood out for me that I wanted to just share with all of you today is such a reminder that we struggle so much as human beings, let alone women, to celebrate ourselves. So one of the things that came up just at the end of our call was this this comment she made about, well, I'll never tell anybody that I'm good at my job. And it really, um, you know, triggered for me, like, okay, there's something deeper here because when we are not able to own when we're good at something or talented in some area of our life, that's such a sign of a deeper root belief that it's not okay to celebrate ourselves, right? That it's not okay to own when we're skilled at something, when we're amazing at something. And the truth is we do. We live in a society that has really shunned us for, for sharing our wins, right? And sharing our gifts in a way that Society might then label us as being egotistical or bragging about ourselves. And we get all these like, oh, you're so selfish talking about how great you are all the time. And obviously there's a line, right? Obviously for each of us, we know where, where is sharing and owning our celebration of ourselves coming from, right? Is it coming from a place to get attention and to brag? then maybe that's worth looking at, right? But I think a lot of us are in this place where we're just so held back by from celebrating anything in ourselves, right? Actually even admitting to ourselves things that we like about ourselves. This is such a huge topic. We'll obviously have to have a whole podcast episode about this, but it's so important. And I wanted to just bring that forth because this is something that came up again this week is is give yourself permission to celebrate you. And maybe you're not quite ready to do that publicly, but maybe even just to yourself at the end of the day in your journal, you know, writing down what's one thing that I love about myself today or one thing that I'm proud of today, right? Maybe, hey, I went for a walk today, right? I got out of the house today. I mean, that's a big win for a lot of us over the last two years. Yay, I got out of the house, right? Or I made a really difficult phone call or I, I, you know, I had a really healthy dinner tonight. I drank all like a good amount of water today. You know, there's, there's every day we do something that we should be proud of. Like there's always something, you know, maybe it's, Hey, I didn't get triggered in a conversation with my mom. Like I normally do. Right. Or I was able to be kind to somebody who was mean to me. I mean, these are huge wins, let alone really being able to own our amazingness as human beings, you know, and be able to stand up in front of somebody and say, I'm amazing at my job, right? And I 
I'm so gifted at X, Y, and Z, you know, like I'm really great hiker. That's, that's one thing that I always love sharing. Like I'm a really fast, awesome multi-day hiker. My husband and I love doing that and grateful that we're at the same pace, but like I rock at that. Uh, you know, I'm really good at cooking. I'm really good at all of these things. And I think that, you know, the more that we become confident in ourselves, the more that we can actually share that from a place of just loving ourselves, not to be braggy, not to be, you know, egotistical or, you know, showboating or anything, but really just owning like, yeah, I am actually really good at these things. Let me come over and cook you dinner. I'm really amazing at cooking, right? And and really just loving ourselves in that way. So please, the message here as we start off this episode, before we dive into the the real meat and juice of this of this. Um, episode is to give yourself permission to celebrate you, right? And you might want to start off by just doing that privately in your journal. And that's going to be uncomfortable for a lot of you already. So start there, right? Start there. What's, what's one thing that I love about myself today? What's one thing I'm really good at, right? And, oh, and practice owning that and also feeling, we're going to talk a lot about feelings over the coming months and years, but really allow yourself to feel what comes up when you do that, right? You're going to feel, you might feel some awkwardness, some discomfort, right? And this is societal conditioning. So that's okay. That's normal. Feel it, allow it to be felt, acknowledge it, you know, journal it out. What's this feeling about what's going on here, right? Work with somebody that you can actually talk those things out with, which is really, really powerful. So celebrate you and all of your amazingness because all of us have gifts. All of us are great at things. Yeah, sometimes we're not gifted in some areas, but we're gifted in other areas. Like I'll fully own like technology is not my jam. I, I don't have the mind for it. I'm so grateful. My husband is good at it. He comes and helps me hook me up with all sorts of things. That's not my skill set, but I am a rock star in the kitchen and I'm a rock star when it comes to hiking and playing soccer and different things that, um, you know, I really love owning about myself. So Go out there, own it, practice owning it with yourself, practice owning it out loud with others in safe spaces and, and see how that really shifts your ability to look after yourself. All of this comes back to, you know, the more we can own our gifts, the more we're able to really fill that void that so many of us are using sugar and food to fill and start fueling ourselves from the inside out, right? Start being more whole and connected within ourselves and more loving of ourselves. I mean, that's ultimately what all of this comes down to. And we're going to be talking a lot about self-love. Um, but ultimately this is one of those practices that is so important. And I hope that you all do this. I hope that this is your, your, your action item of the week. Start celebrating yourself, owning that and, and enjoying, um, you know, what comes up from that for you. Okay. That's your little tidbit for, for the week. Let's dive into today's episode. So obviously today we're talking about why sugar addiction is so difficult to overcome. And this is, you know, one of the episodes that I was excited to, to record, you know, at the beginning of this podcast, because it's so important for each and every one of us to understand what's, what we're up against, right? And we are up against some really big forces when it comes to our dependency, our addiction. And we're going to talk about the difference of those as well. You know, when it comes to food, sugar, all of these tendencies that I'm willing to guess you have some of, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. And 
you know, I, I'm going to make a bold statement right here and I don't make this lightly, but sugar addiction, in my opinion, is one of the hardest addictions to overcome. It's the hardest addiction to overcome. And I know some of you listening have, have been touched by, um, addictions with alcohol or narcotics or really debilitating what seem like larger, bigger addictions. Um, but I'm also going to say this, you know, backing up my bold claim, because sugar addiction is something that is so under the radar, right? For many of us, it's not obvious. Most people are addicted to sugar and they have no idea, right? So at least with, with other addictions like narcotics or alcohol, right? It is recognized by society as an addiction. There's systems in place to support you with navigating through that addiction, right? It's, it's something that's in your face so that you are more likely to deal with it in hopefully, right? Whereas sugar addiction is so sneaky, it is so sneaky and therefore, you know, it is really, really tricky. And I'm going to share a really um, powerful list with all of you in just a minute in this episode of why this is, you know, why am I making this claim that sugar addiction is the hardest to overcome and, and why is, you know, this something that you need to pay attention to in your own life and just be aware of so that you can combat it obviously with you know some amazing tools and pieces that we're obviously going to be sharing here on the podcast to help you really step into your power and step into this new life right where sugar no longer controls you so i want to say this as well as i back up this claim that i'm making this bold statement and and i have talked with and i have many actually close friends and acquaintances and different people that i've met on my travels and my life over the last five or six years as i started this work that have been through the gamut with these hardcore addictions right whether it was sex or alcohol or narcotics i've i've really been blessed to have some really deep open loving conversations with so many people in this space and every one of them told me when i told them what i did for work and how I helped people really overcome their sugar addictions, they all looked at me and just went, oh my goodness, that's the one I can't give up. That's the one that I can't get rid of. So they've all been to this place where they've done their deep healing around, you know, getting abstinent from alcohol and drugs and all these other things, but the sugar was the hardest one for them. And they still were not in a place where they could let it go. It was like, it was the last vice for them. And I think this just really hit home for me that that's how difficult sugar addiction is overcome. These people who are so brave and powerful and combating and overcoming these really deeply rooted challenging addictions were still addicted to sugar. And that just taught me something and was really, really eye-opening for me in so many ways. And that's how I come to, to say this bold statement. So I want to, I want to have a little conversation as well with all of you. I know there's a lot of, um, people out there throwing around the terms, sugar addiction, sugar dependency, um, and what's the difference, you know, what are these and, and what are the difference? And obviously you can do your own research and you're going to find a whole gamut of different descriptions of what is sugar addiction, what is dependency, right? And I, in, you know, in my research and in my learning and in my practice, um, you know, there's in, not a huge difference. Okay. You'll find that some most in the industry sort of describe addiction as being more mental and behavioral. So it's more of a pattern of behavior that's getting you into trouble. 
Whereas dependency is more thought of as being like a physical dependence, right? Your body and your cells become dependent on sugar to get through the day, right? To, to run, to function. It's like being dependent on coffee to, to get through the day, which I know a lot of you probably are as well, which is something we will definitely talk about later because we can't talk about sugar addiction, not talk about coffee as well and how that affects our blood sugar and our insulin. So, you know, there is that time, there can be that tiny bit of nuance. I personally believe that they're very much the same. So at, throughout this podcast, we're going to be using the words addiction, dependency, sort of interchangeably, because there is also a huge line of thought that, you know, both addictions and dependency can be physical and psychological. So you can have psychological dependence, you know, like you depend on sugar every time you're sad or emotional, right? Or you're stressed. It's an, that psychological, emotional dependency. Um, and you can have addictions that are, are physical dependence as well. So they really do cross over and are very, very similar. So here, we're not going to worry too much on this podcast. And I, I definitely will have guests coming in, maybe talking more to that and their research and what they've discovered um, down the road. But for the purposes of you know these episodes that we're doing, we're going to use those words interchangeably and just understand that it doesn't really matter what word you use in, you know, you understand that what we're talking about here is that pull of sugar when we have cravings, when you go off it, you have withdrawals, you know, and many of you have never experienced that because there's a fear of those withdrawals. There's so many fears and we're going to be talking a lot about those fears as well. So many good episodes coming up for you. Can you tell I'm excited to get recording all of these? Oh, it's going to be an amazing journey. I hope you're, I hope you're having fun already with me. I want to just talk about addiction here for a second. And again, we're going to start using those words interchangeably, but I, I, I can't talk about addiction and not talk about Gabor Mate. Okay. So anyone who has never heard of Gabor, I am a huge fan of his work and his study of addiction in on the streets, actually in Vancouver, which is one of the um, highest populated areas of drug users around the world. And he's worked there for many years as a physician studying addictions. And I just so love his message and what he has discovered. He has a lot of amazing books for anybody who's interested in sort of diving in. He talks a lot about the mental, emotional components behind addiction. And, you know, in his, uh, his words and his description of addiction being a behavior that gives pleasure or relief in the short run, but that you suffer negative consequences from in the long run. Okay. And you have an inability to give that up, even though it's harming you in the long run, right? It might be harming your physical body, like with sugar or your relationships, like maybe with drug use, right? Um, there is some sort of negative consequence that you're aware of and it's harming you, but you still can't stop the behavior, right? Or in this case, the, the food item, right? Putting that substance in your body. And you know, the, the reason that I think like Gabor's view on addiction is so um, powerful and so different, but so, so right, in my opinion, is that really understanding our addiction, so our dependency, our going to sugar, our going to food when we're not feeling well, right, is actually an attempt to solve a problem. And that problem is usually pain and suffering. And this attempt to solve a problem is actually based on what happened to you. So it's from an event, a trauma, that we all have carried since childhood, 
we all have, whether it's a big T trauma, little T trauma, we all have something that happened in those first seven to 10 years of life, which are the most influential, that shifted our view of ourselves and the world in a very um, difficult way, right? And has actually caused us pain and suffering. And the addiction is just a solution, a subconscious solution to make that pain go away. And I think this is such an empowering and, and incredible way of looking at addiction because it takes the like the shame out of it from us, which we're going to talk about shame because this is a big piece of what lays at the root as well. But it really helps us understand that like our psyche and our brain was actually trying to help us solve a problem. It was actually trying to help us through pain and suffering and the pain and suffering came from an event, right? Whether it was a big T trauma that you had or a little T traumas or simply your parents ignoring you as a child is a trauma. Not being cuddled as a child is a trauma. Feeling disconnected, not loved. I could go on and on about this stuff, right? This is all trauma that shifts our ability to soothe ourselves and our ability to, to know how to navigate challenging emotions and, and, and these, this, this pain and suffering. So that's where these patterns come in. It was actually a solution to a problem. I remember the first time I heard Gabor talk about that, I just had this huge mind blowing moment that, you know, I wasn't doing something bad for myself. Right. I, I mean, in the end it was, but it was actually my body trying to help me. And that kind of gave me a, a, a way of being more compassionate to myself and understanding that, oh, okay, these tendencies and this like actually came about for a reason. Like my body was trying to help me. My mind was trying to help me. It just got misguided because I didn't have the tools and our society doesn't have the tools to support people through traumatic events or difficult pieces or understanding that the type of support we need. So it's a societal, you know, huge societal issue, not having those, those supports in, in place. So it wasn't my fault. And I think that's really important for all of you to know that it's not your fault either. And one of the things that I, one of the many other things that I love that he says and really reminds all of us that I want to mention here is to stop asking even ourselves, asking other people, why the addiction, right? Why am I addicted to sugar? Why the addiction? And change that question to why the pain and suffering? What happened to you? Okay. Not who you are, not what's wrong with you right? Like so many of us see people struggling with addictions and we think, what's wrong with you? You must be broken. That is so wrong. And we are never going to navigate out of these issues with addiction until we start asking better questions. So I love that. Changing why the addiction to instead ask why the pain and suffering? What is it that happened to you, right? And this is where we have to start owning and looking at our traumas and looking at our past patterns, looking at how we grew up, looking at how we were supported or not supported emotionally in childhood, which most of us weren't, um, and really start looking at those root causes, which is definitely what we're going to be doing here on this podcast. Hopefully one day we'll be able to get Gabor on here live. That is one of my goals. So stay tuned for that. Anybody who knows him, let's get him on here. Help me out. And really understanding that these, these pieces and these layers behind us, again, are not our fault. We were trying to solve a problem. We were trying to support ourselves in some way, and it just got out of hand in an unhealthy way because we weren't taught the tools to do it in a healthy way. It's not our fault, okay? But it is our responsibility to now wake up to this and own what's going on if we want to make a change in our lives. So it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility to do something about it if you want to live a long, healthy, and happy life. So I want to mention here before I start getting into, you know, the 
the the list I have to share with you with how why sugar addiction is so difficult to give up is also something that I feel really passionately about here. We're going to talk about identity absolutely in a later podcast, but for right now, I just want to throw in a reminder here because so many of you um, I know are labeling yourselves as sugar addicts, right? Or maybe not yet, but maybe you're starting to think about it and you're like, am I a sugar addict? Am I a sugar dependent person? You know, and really starting to do these I am statements. And when we do that, we put ourselves in a box that is almost impossible to get out of. We're going to be having some really big conversations about identity because I think this is a huge route for a lot of us is we have a misaligned identity that stemmed from traumas and our beliefs from childhood and how we were supported or not supported. And when we start saying things like I am a sugar addict, our subconscious brain will, will, grab into that like it is who you are and it's never going to change right it becomes cemented in and if you want to shift out of being a sugar addict you have to start using language that is more um open to shifting out of it right so things like i am you know i'm struggling with sugar dependency or right now i have an unhealthy relationship with sugar right or i'm i you know i have um, sugar addictive tendencies at the moment, right? Using things that kind of open it up. That's not so black and white. It's not so I, this is who I am and it's always going to be that way. And this is such a, like the power of our mind just continues to boggle me every single day. But this is one of the hacks that you can use is to stop calling yourself a sugar addict. Even if you believe you are and, and you know, there's, there's all those tendencies within you. If you want to shift out of that and really live a life of freedom and, and have a healthy and happy relationship with yourself, with sugar, you've got to stop labeling yourself a sugar addict. Okay. You've got to stop clawing into that. Like it's who you are and it's never going to change. So we have to be really careful how we label ourselves as well. I know a lot of you, um, I'm going off a little bit here because this is such a powerful topic, the identity piece, but I know so many of my clients and myself included have gone through our lives just assuming and labeling ourselves as that's just who we are, right? Like I'm stupid or I'm really bad at technology, right? That's something I'm a horrible speller. That's something I've told myself my whole life, right? And it's these, these, I am statements that cement themselves in our subconscious that become so difficult to change if we're not using open-ended language around it, right? Like right now I'm not the best at spelling, but do you think that I could learn to become a kick-ass speller? Absolutely I could. If I cared to, I don't. I've got, yeah, I've got apps on my computer. I'm good to go. <laughs> but you know, like if you're a bad runner or you just suck at cooking, right? I know a lot of my clients are like, I'm just a bad cook. And I'm like, no, you're not. You've just never practiced, right? Anybody can become good at anything they want to or shift their identity or become a new version of themselves if they want to, right? But we have to start by changing our language. So rant over, really, really important message that I just wanted to hit home for all of you out there who are doing this is just to start thinking about changing that language for yourself so that you can bring in the possibility in your mind to change out of that identity and shift into a new, new version of yourself. So why is sugar addiction so difficult to overcome? Okay. I want to share a couple pieces with you just so you understand what you're up against. Okay. And it really important before I share this list to remind you that this isn't about, um, bogging you down. So you feel like, Oh my goodness, this is impossible. I know a lot of you right now are already thinking or believing that it's impossible to give up sugar, that this is, 
just never going to happen. Sugar's in everything. I can't do it. Nobody can do it. How do people give up sugar? Um, so I know that that's already going on for a lot of you. I want to call that out because this list is meant to just empower you to understand, wow, I do have like, no wonder it's difficult for me to give up sugar. No wonder I've struggled my whole life or I've tried to give up sugar many times before and it just never works, right? There is a lot against us. And I think that allows us to give ourselves some compassion on this journey because it's not easy. It's not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, pun intended. I'm not going to lie to you. It's, it's definitely a challenging journey that um, takes some effort and takes some support and willpower and, and commitment from you. So just understand that these are the forces against you and the things against you. And even just bringing awareness to these can take their power away. And that's so beautiful. Just reflecting on these for yourself, this list I'm going to share with you can really take, you know, help you take back your power and help you start understanding, oh, in those situations, I'm going to do something different here. And, and really just get stronger in this journey, right? Really step into that power and speak up for yourself and start making these changes and know that you're not alone. So we'll talk about that after this list, of course, as well. So number one, okay, first of all, obviously sugar is addictive, very, very addictive. We talked a little bit about that in the last episode, but physically in our body, sugar has such a powerful effect, especially on our brain and our dopamine centers, right? It becomes our like happy hormone, right? And when we don't have sugar, we're not happy. So we got to keep eating it. Um, that's really simplified way of, of describing it, but there is like such a physical reaction and we'll talk more about this. I'll be bringing in guests, um, who are, um, you know, more apt to talking about the actual science behind the sugar addiction and what it does. So the physical piece is so important to acknowledge a lot of us walking around with imbalanced gut microbiome that leads to cravings for sugar. And we think it's our problem or our fault, right? We guilt or shame ourselves, but it's actually a physical imbalance, chemical imbalance in the body that is totally fixable, totally doable. And, um, that's just really, you know, can be empowering to understand. Number two, right? the social pressures. Okay. We're going to definitely have whole episodes about how to navigate this, but there's social pressures to eat sugar at every turn, right? It's an office party. It's, um, you know, at your, your family's house every Friday night for dinner. It's, you know, a girl's night with your friends. It's everywhere, right? It's, it's definitely, there's so much pressure to eat sugar, especially if say somebody's baked you something, right? Like there, there's so many social nuances that can be really tricky to navigate. You know, what do you do when somebody gives you cookies that they baked fresh, right? Like I better eat them because if I don't, they're going to think I'm not accepting their love, which ultimately is what that exchange is, right? There's just, there's so many pieces behind the social pressures around it that it can get really, really tricky. The, uh, another reason, and we're definitely talking, going to be talking a lot about this is the emotions. So one of the reasons sugar addiction is so difficult to overcome is that it, it becomes our emotional go-to. And for most of us, it's been our emotional go-to for our whole lives. I know myself included, you know, this was right from childhood. It was every time I was sad or stressed or overwhelmed or depressed or anxious, I would eat sugar and it would make me feel better. 
So there's this, there's this loop and this belief system that we need to get out of. And this is something that I'm so, so passionate about. And one of the reasons why I created the uh, free three-part workshop series that actually you can check out the show notes below and download. Uh, if you want to dive more into the emotional conversation, you've got um, some, some videos there that you can download for free and some workbooks that I guide you through a deeper, deeper dive into this, this emotional conversation. So definitely uh, head down to the show notes below and download that. So outside of emotions, it's everywhere, right? It is everywhere. Okay. And I know that this is a, oh, this is also a limiting belief. So I want to be careful about saying this because it's not everywhere. There are a lot of food and we are so grateful to have access to food that doesn't have sugar in it. We can eat whole real foods. We have access to that here and it, it's not everywhere, but in our minds it is, right? Sugar is in a lot of things. It is always in your face. It's at the checkout. It's at your, you know, in your cupboard. It's in your friend's house. When you go for dinner, it's everywhere. It's on the bus. Like it's, it's just in your face. There's always somebody eating sugar. So you see it, or it's always there available for you to, to grab. And at the same time, it's cheap. Sugar is super cheap. And um, we might talk about the reason of that and the actual history of sugar. That'd be a great episode that we'll do in the, in the future. But for now, just know that, um, you know, sugar is so cheap. And this is one of the reasons, and especially with the new um, types of sugar that they're developing, so re, uh, you know, food scientists are developing, just becoming cheaper and cheaper, making sugar out of corn and beets. And it's so cost-effective and addictive Right. The food industries are like, yes, win win. It doesn't cost us much to use and it's going to get you addicted. So you keep buying our products and we keep making more money. That is unfortunately how our system works. And it's really important to understand that that's something at play. So it's cheap, right? Like it's it's a lot more expensive to be addicted to cocaine or even alcohol. It's a lot more expensive. And that's a barrier. Right. Like we know those things might make us feel better, too, but let's go have the sugar because it's actually a lot more cost effective and I can't afford the cocaine. Right. So we're going to go for the sugar. So the, the cost of it is really, really detrimental as well, especially when we talk about kids. Right. Kids can now spend their allowance just going and buying. And that's what I did growing up. Every time I would make some money doing chores or things around the house, I would go to the store and buy penny candy. Right. Like I would go and just like load up because I could. Right. And, um, you know, it was so accessible that way for me, you know, cheap, it was everywhere. Um, this actually brings me into the next point is that it is socially acceptable anywhere and anytime, right? So this is one of the reasons I believe that sugar addiction is the hardest, especially compared to other addictions like narcotics or alcohol or, or things like that, is that it's acceptable everywhere. You don't have to hide it. People are totally fine with you sitting down at breakfast and overdosing on sugar, right? Having a couple glasses of juice, some pancakes loaded with maple syrup. No problem. You are not judged. You are not looked at weird. It is so socially acceptable. Could you imagine your friend coming over and drinking a bottle of whiskey and doing a line of cocaine for breakfast, right? Or maybe watching some porn first thing in the morning, right? Like that would not be acceptable. We would, there would be some social pressures to do that in private, right? And hide that. So this piece is so, so big around sugar because it's, it's so easy to just feed your sugar addiction everywhere at any time, you know, a kid's birthday party, you know, go ahead, go crazy. You're not going to do that with like a bottle of whiskey and some cocaine, right? <laughs> that's the example apparently that I'm using, you know, that's going to be, you're going to be told to leave that party. If you do that, right. You're going to be told to, Hey, 
get, get it together. Like, do you need some help? Like that's a problem, right? And people might start being concerned for you and actually wanting to help you. But with sugar, people just think it's normal. People think, oh yeah, no, he's no problem. He's just having pancakes and maple syrup and a couple glasses of orange juice. That's totally fine. There's, he doesn't have a problem. Right. So we don't think people have a problem. Then we can't support each other socially. So and, and we don't even know we have a problem a lot of the times. Right. Which makes it so tricky. Another one of the reasons here is that it has become our go to for treating ourselves and rewarding ourselves. So treating ourselves uh, after a, a promotion. Right. Or a job well done. You know, we we reward ourselves for going to the gym. Like I had a great day and I ate really well today. So I'm going to eat a tub of ice cream. Like how does that make sense? But it is how we're wired from childhood. And we'll talk more about this in other episodes. But as children, you know, this is the reward system that we've learned, right? Reward yourself with ice cream. You did good. You got good grades at school. Let's go to Dairy Queen. Uh, Up here in Canada, that's a big like, you know, ice cream parlor. And that was my go-to. We had a great soccer game. We would always go to Dairy Queen after after soccer games. Actually, even when I didn't play well, we went. <laughs> so it was still a reward for like a good effort, Danny. And we would go, right? And that was like just such a patterning that all of us carry. And now, you know, it takes some effort to kind of break through. So this treat reward system, which so many of us want to celebrate ourselves or treat ourselves at the end of a long day, right? Oh, I had, or something good happened, right? We're celebrating, And that's a piece too around the emotional conversation that it's linked to every emotion, right? So we can think of any single emotion, whether it's a heavy emotion or a happy emotion, and we can link that to sugar, right? So if you're, you know, grieving, you're going to eat sugar, right? If you're celebrating something and being happy and in love, I mean, look at Valentine's Day. I hate Valentine's Day. I'm going to say that publicly. It is so toxic. Um, not only just to have one day to, to spread love, uh, that needs to be every day, by the way, people, but the, the commercialization of just, if you don't buy somebody chocolates, that means that you don't love them. Like, come on, like how has a day gotten so deeply? And I know how, um, but it's just, it's just sick. You know, it is really sick to think about that. That's how we spread love. That's how we treat ourselves and show that to others as well. So we need to start shifting out of that. The other reason, another reason that um, this addiction is so difficult to overcome is that it it is hidden in foods without you even knowing about it. So this is where a lot of people have no idea they're actually overdosing on sugar. And every time that I give a speech or um, share this and I actually have like have a couple like boxes of food items and we go through like actually how to identify what sugar and how much sugar is in the foods that you're eating, people's minds are always just blown. They go, oh my goodness, I overdose on my whole daily allotted amount of sugar at breakfast. And when you have that realization, it's so eye-opening. You, oh my goodness, like I didn't think I had a problem. And then you can start to come to terms with, whoa, like I need to do something about this and look at this. So Next week, in next week's episode, we're actually going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about label reading and how to identify and how to know where the sugar is hiding because that is step one. You've got to know what's going in your body and, and get a baseline of where you're at. How much sugar are you eating every day? And be really honest with yourself and, and gauge, okay, like maybe there's some big things I need to change or just some little tweaks that I need to change or I need to get off this stuff altogether um, and go from there. But really this, this hidden factor, right? Most of us don't even know that there are over a hundred different names for sugar on products, like in food items. I'm calling them products and food items because they're not real food. They're just items that sort of look like food. So, you know, we, we really have to start 
empowering ourselves with that knowledge so that you can become an investigator in your own life. Another piece that goes with this is confusion, right? The, the food industry has done a really great job at confusing us, you know, making over a hundred different names of sugar, not really, you know, a lot of people not really knowing what is sugar. We'll definitely have that conversation here as well, right? Like is, is agave sugar? Is, is our oranges sugar, right? Nobody really knows. There's no one like agreed upon definition of sugar and that can make it really confusing. And if we're confused, our nature is just to not do anything about it, right? Like, oh, I'm confused. I'm not going to do this perfectly. So why bother? That is a lot of us. That's where our mind goes. So we just don't bother changing anything. So confusion, you know, for most of us, enables like inaction and then we don't actually even try to make changes or shift so that confusion makes it really difficult another one that is this like this psychological piece behind you know the difficulties of giving up sugar addiction for you to be aware of is is and this kind of ties in with the social pressures and i will definitely record an, a longer episode on this because this is really tricky for a lot of us is the truth that going off of sugar or really making any positive change for yourself and your health will trigger people around you. It will definitely trigger people around you. And this is a tough pill to swallow because we know people around us love us. Hopefully you're only surrounded by people who love you, but at a very deep psychological survival mechanism level, the people around us actually don't want us to change. And I know that sounds so crazy. Actually, I have a good friend of mine in Australia. He's taught me about tall poppy syndrome. That's what they call it over there. It's a very real, very real piece of, of our egos trying to stay safe, right? So when we know how to interact or how to eat with someone and they start changing, that actually makes us feel unsafe at a, at a deep like survival level. So we do things subconsciously to keep them where they are. So a lot of people, and all of my clients struggle with this and I did as well, you know, being in situations where you're, you know, eating really healthy or you know, getting off of sugar and your family starts shaming you, right? Oh, stop being so healthy or just have one cookie, live a little. Why are you so, so uptight all the time, right? They'll start making comments that are trying to bring you back because of that, that mechanism. And also because by you making big, bold moves in your life, other people, even though they're not aware of it, are a bit jealous. And I mean that like in the way that you know, if I really in my core, like was unhappy with my health and I wasn't ready to do something about it, or I didn't have the tools to do something about it. And I was like, not liking my body. And I was really self-conscious about it. And then my friend, who's my best friend starts making all these changes that I wish I was making. I'm going to be jealous of that, like psychologically and subconsciously, like this isn't always something you're aware of. I'm definitely going to be a bit envious. I'm going to be upset that she's changing and I'm not. What's wrong with me? Right? So there's those pieces that that definitely step on other people's toes, right? When they see you doing amazing things and hopefully you can start to navigate and learn which people in your life are actually going to unconditionally love you and support you versus those who actually are trying to drag you down. And really 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 important on this journey for you to start spending less and less energy and time with people who are dragging you down and finding the right people who support you and cheer you on. Okay. Especially when things are tough in the beginning of breaking free from sugar and getting through this. So that, that, that triggering situation in between people it can be really difficult. So you're going to have people in your life, like really trying to push you to have a cookie, right? Just come on, just one, live a little, you're not overweight. Like what's the problem, right? Like that kind of 
that kind of conversation as opposed to respecting your boundaries and actually lifting you up in those situations. Go, good for you. I'm not ready to give up sugar yet, but power to you. I'm going to keep the cookies over here to not tempt you, right? Like that would be a more supportive response for people. So start paying attention to that in your own life. Cause it's, um, yeah, it's, it's very nuanced and very eye-opening once you start seeing that happening in your own interactions with your family, with your friends, with your coworkers. Um, so I want to plant that seed so you can start just at least being aware of that. You don't have to say anything or do anything, but just being aware that that's happening. And the last one I want to share, obviously there's this list goes on and on, but these are the biggest reasons that I see. And this last one is the truth that it can be lonely. So lonely, right? It can be. When I went through my um, sugar addiction journey, and I know I shared this a couple episodes ago, my story, you know, I spent a good two to three years struggling all on my own. Struggling, not knowing what was wrong with me, why I couldn't stay off sugar, what was going on here, on my own. I did not know that I could have support. I did not know that there were other people out there surrounded with me. You know, you would never expect an alcoholic to overcome their their struggles on their own. No, you would expect them to go and get support, be in a group, you know, go to AA meetings, right? Like that would be a no-brainer. So why are we not doing that with with sugar? And I just want you to know if you're feeling alone in this, if you're the only person in your family and your group of friends that's aware and wants to make a change with sugar. You're the only one in your household. We'll definitely talk about how to navigate that later on the podcast because it can be really tricky. Just know that you're not alone, okay? You are so not alone. And there are so many communities and supports. I mean, obviously myself being one of them, there are so many people coming out now actually supporting around sugar addiction. And it's so beautiful to see this movement online and anywhere in the world. You can be anywhere in the world and get incredible support and community. And that is so vital. Okay. I want to sort of wrap this episode up with that message that finding the right guide for you and the right community of other people so that you know, you're not alone. You know, you're not crazy. You can share tips and ideas about how to navigate tricky social situations and emotions and all of these pieces that I've just mentioned, um, and share resources as well, you know, is, is just so important. Like you will not, you will not succeed on this journey if you do not find the right community that is going to be safe and non-judgmental and supportive. We'll definitely talk more about community later. I myself host a few communities and, and in my group programs that I run that really creates this container of safety for us to open up and be vulnerable and talk about these deep pieces so that we can work through them together and just have that sense of camaraderie, knowing that we are, we're in this together. And it's, it's just, it's so beautiful. It gives me goosebumps every time, you know, I, I love hosting these communities and these empowering groups of women that just totally light me up. So that's the list. This is why just a couple tiny little reasons why sugar addiction is so darn difficult to give up. And I want you again to just remind yourself like this may be really challenging. Yes, this is a lot of things that are you're up against, but it is not impossible. Okay, myself and millions of other who have broken free from sugar and the hundreds of women that I've supported on this journey, you know, will tell you that it's not impossible. And it's one of the most rewarding journeys that you will ever go on in your life. One of the most life changing journeys when you start healing your relationship with sugar and really at the root healing your relationship with yourself. It is so beautiful. And there is so much on the other side. I would not change it for the world. And I encourage you not to let these, these things that I've just shared bog you down. Okay. I want you to 
to, to step into your power and get fired up to do something about it. And obviously continue listening to this podcast week after week. I'm going to be sharing so much with you, a lot of tips and tools that have worked for me, worked for my clients. I'm going to be bringing you experts and we're going to be having a lot of fun as we continue navigating these conversations. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for tuning in to another episode. This is so much fun. I can't wait to be bringing these to you week after week and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. If you're loving what we talked about today, please remember to subscribe, leave a review and share this episode with someone you love. And if you're ready to dive deeper into discovering your root causes and patterns that are keeping you hooked on sugar, be sure to check out our brand new free workshop series that will help you kick emotional eating for good. Find the link to download this free series and other amazing resources in the show notes below.